Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. The Word of God is power in its life, and it is transformative, and it's the foundation for our understanding about who God is and how we live for Him. And so it's a really, really great guide that God gave us to lead us to Jesus and relationship with Him. So, But one of the things that you and I have to do Um, When we read the Bibles, we have to follow some very simple but really important rules. And one is that we have to, we cannot violate the the nature of God, the understanding of God's nature, which is described throughout the whole scripture. And there's things that we know about God, that God is. He's the beginning and the end. He was before all existence. God is also good. How often is God good? Good. All the time, exactly, that's what the Bible says. And then he says that about himself, actually, and he also says he's love. So God is always good, and he's always loving, and he's always in control. God knows the beginning from the end, but then he doesn't control us. Isn't that amazing? God's always in control, but he doesn't control us, because if he put his hands on free will, he would destroy love, which is who he is, so he can't do that. Because love only has true meaning when it's chosen. And so when you're chosen, and this is where I'm going to destroy all these predestination folks, is, yeah, God predestined you to be made in the image of God. He designed you to be in his image, and you have to choose that. So I just blew up all Calvinists in the room. Boom. Okay. But what I'm going to do today is read this very uh, amazing passage in Thessalonians and It is all about the end times and about what is going to happen in the end. And so I'm going to just toss a big, huge salad for you. I'm going to solve all your problems, uh, all of the questions you have about end time theology. And it's all going to get solved in one simple message. Are you excited about this? (laughs) Yeah, that's a big boast, isn't it? Okay. Yep. I'm going to make a huge theological mess for you and ground you to the most important things. That's my goal. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. Help us. Help me, Lord. And help this to really anchor us to your truth and what you want for us. And that you would anchor us through uh, to the finish line. Lord, your church would be anchored to you to the finish line. And that we would be found faithful, God, no matter what happens. And we honor you today. Holy Spirit, fill this room. Destroy all the work of the enemy, God. Just, just break off every yoke of bondage, every, wrong, every bit of wrong thinking and all of us of where we think we have certain things figured out. Lord, just anchor us to your truth that we will not be blown around like a reed in the wind, like a ship without a rudder. God, we need you and we need you, the living word, Jesus, through your Holy Spirit to bring revelation to us so that we be found firm on the rock. When the storm crashes against us, Lord, our house will not fall because we are not built on sand. We're built on you, the living word who endures and lasts forever in Jesus name. Amen. So I just preached like a whole sermon in my prayer. Did you guys get it? Anchor to the word. Okay. So when you anchor to Jesus himself, he is the living word. It's not just words on a page. Jesus is alive. He is God and he is the word. And he's the Bible. So we can anchor ourselves to him, his nature, who he is, and find the truth of what we're looking for in his nature. It has to line up with his nature or we're off track. Okay? So if it's not good, not loving, 
then we know we're off track. That's a really good thing. And then we want to keep everything we're going to read now in the context of the things Jesus said. That might be good, right? So like if you're thinking about end time theology, and so some people throw around this big nerdy Bible word that, okay, nerds make up big words so that they sound important, okay? So it's just my own personal theory about this. So the word is eschatology. So if you ever hear this word eschatology, it is the study of the end times, all right? They could have just called it the study of the end times, but no, they wanted to give it a cooler name so that they could sound cool. All right, so anyway, maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's just my own theory. Okay, so the study of the end times, eschatology, and we're, we're just going to unpack some things. So the first fundamental thing is listen to what Jesus said. What did Jesus say about it? We have the book of Daniel, Ecclesiastes, Revelation, then little parts and pieces throughout the epistles, and especially Thessalonians just really hammers it. And, you know, there's so much stuff around here that's in all these parts and pieces. And that's what's so confusing about trying to piece together what it's going to look like at the end. But if we just keep in mind what Jesus said all the time and then reference back to what Jesus said and who he is in his nature— and what he said about the church, then we're going to get grounded. Okay? So let's do that. And I have a ton of Bible passages today because I don't know how to do this without the Bible. Okay. We probably should use the Bible when we preach, right? So last week, and I just want to recap this and touch this, is um, we were talking about, well, it was a week before last, because we had Abraham here, who's missionary to India. It was really awesome to hear him. Um, but... The week before that, we were talking about the resurrection and what happens when we die. And so that when we die, there's this promise that we, that Jesus made to us is that we will be resurrected with him and we'll be in heaven with him instantly and have a glorified body. And then in the end, we'll all be there together when Jesus comes back. So Jesus is coming back and he is coming back for his people and he will end all things as they're established now, and begin all new things in that moment right there. And whether you die early or you're still alive, when Jesus returns, we're all going to be there. That was the message, okay? Which is a pretty cool promise. And he also says in that that we grieve differently because we know this promise. We grieve differently because we know when we die, we actually gain. And this is what Paul said is to live as Christ and to die is gain. And when we as believers understand this, we, it changes how we approach death. The fear of death becomes diminished greatly. There's actually hope in it. Because we know we're going to be in eternity with God forever. And we lose this thing, that is, this shell of a body that is really not nearly as awesome as the glorified body. Okay, y'all? All right. So concerning, this is what it says, uh, in, 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 in Thessalonians 5, 1, it, it says concerning what will happen, all right? So I'm just going to read to you. Now, it says now concerning what's going to happen. Before we dive into that, I just want to talk about here are all, not all, but here are some of the major marker points that are talked about or seen in the scripture about the end times. So I'm just going to throw a salad up here, okay? There will be great persecution, for all believers, great persecution for all believers. In fact, the Bible describes it as the greatest persecution in history. It's going to ramp up. 
Jesus said there's going to be wars and famines and earthquakes and false messiahs and false prophets. Then there's going to be an increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. There's going to be an antichrist who will be appearing and He's sometimes referred to as the man of lawlessness. Maybe those are two people. A lot of people think it's the same dude. The guy's going to be bad. There you go. Now you know everything about the Antichrist that you need to know. He's going to do signs and wonders. And he's possibly going to die and be resurrected. The dude's going to be bad. And he's going to do bad stuff. In fact, it also says that he's filled with Satan himself. Satan has entered multiple people throughout time. And one we know was Judas. It says that Satan entered Judas. You're like, that's a bad day. (laughs) This individual is going to be possessed by Satan himself. The gospel of Jesus will be preached to all of the nations. Before the end comes, the gospel will be preached to everyone in all nations. So we know that it's not going to end until we see that. The full measure of Gentiles are going to come in. Before the end. Who knows that number? (laughs) There's one person that knows that number. And there's nobody in this room, okay? Revival among the Jews. Bible says they'll be provoked to jealousy. Um, It seems that there will be a new temple. Resurrected. A a new temple will be created. And priest, temple, and sacrifice will be reinstated. It seems that is going to happen. Now, some of y'all might be stronger on that one and say, guaranteed. I pretty much think that's going to happen when I look at all of these parts and pieces, that that's a major piece that will have to be in place, which there isn't a temple right now, if you guys didn't know this, in Jerusalem. There's no temple. There's no Ark of the Covenant. Nobody knows where that is. It's missing. It's been missing since uh, the Babylonian uh, captivity, and nobody knows where it is. In fact, when Jesus came, I actually didn't know this. Zach was telling me when Jesus came, the Ark of the Covenant wasn't even in the temple. They couldn't even do proper sacrifice when Jesus came. Eh, who knew? I never really thought about that. But Okay, a great war will take place, again, led by Satan and this Antichrist and all these other alliances, and it's going to be huge and apocalyptic. And then Jesus returns. And with the breath of his mouth, smokes everybody, all his enemies. Which is kind of crazy. <laughs> you think like they all G up, they all get geared up, and they're like, let's go. And they're gonna, all the weapons of warfare and everything. And then he just does the Aslan breathe on him thing, which is kind of creepy in the movie, but you know. <laughs> and then that's it. You're like, all God has to do is breathe on them. And then it ends. So there you go. Now you know. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1. Those are all the marker points. So as we think about all of this, this is the thing I want us to keep in context that Jesus said. Okay, all that stuff is, so, and more. There's way more. I'm just giving you some of the big ones. Um, what did Jesus say? The last thing he said to his disciples before he left. He said, go make disciples. Go make disciples of all the world, right? Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he also told them in Acts 1-7, right? He said, when they were actually asking about what, what's going to happen then, he said, listen, you're going to be endued with power. You're gonna, the power of the Holy Spirit's going to come on you so you can be a witness in 
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So the power of God's going to come on you to be a witness, and you're called to go and make disciples. So when we read everything about the end times and eschatology, we can't forget what Jesus said. Everything is balanced against and weighted against this instruction to go and make disciples. So whenever we're reading all this madness and you are going like, what am I going to do? Do the last thing Jesus told you to do. Go make disciples. The Antichrist is doing his thing, having his little party. What do you do? Go make disciples. Y'all, we don't ever change our... The vision for the church hasn't changed for 2,000 years. Be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Go make disciples. All right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, concerning how and when all this will happen. Dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you. <laughs> like, okay. For you know quite well the day of the Lord will return or will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall as suddenly as a pregnant woman, woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. Oh, what do we learn? When is it gonna happen? Or how, it, yeah, when and how. We know really clear how it's gonna happen. Like a thief in the night. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, my water broke. Huh. I'm having a baby, right? You knew you were going to, like, like Gina, like you knew you were going to have a baby. We knew you were going to have a baby. It was obvious, right? And you looked amazing. You were glowing. You're beautiful. But y'all, you're, you're about to have a baby. But did we know the actual day? Just because the doctor said, we think it's going to be this day. Like, ladies, how many of you had your baby on the exact due date? You did? Two on the same due date. Let's go. You got some good obedient children. Good job, Jolina. Nice work. <clears throat> like, uh, well, that was one hand, okay? Like, this isn't common, all right? So we're guessing when the date will be, but it happens when it happens. And the Lord knows, of course, when that day will be. And it comes like a thief in the night when you don't expect it all of a sudden. Here comes Jesus. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. God has now revealed to us his mysterious, myster us, mysterious, what is this saying? God has now revealed to us his mysterious Will, oh, I got it. Regarding Christ, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> oh my gosh. Guys, sorry, sometimes I'm brain. I have read so many scriptures today. Okay, so, which is to fulfill his own good plan. I got it. Did you guys get it? You probably got it before me. Verse 10, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we will have received an inheritance from God for he chose in advance he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. See, God has this perfectly timed out, and it's going to happen at just the right time. He's going to pull it all together. And this is another thing about his nature we can trust, is he's sovereign. He's 
all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's the beginning and the end. He knows exactly when it's going to happen. He knows exactly when the last person is going to choose and the fullness of the Gentiles is going to be, the number is there, and he has that number set. He knows exactly when that's going to happen, even though he's not controlling it. But he's in control, because he's sovereign. And it'll be at just the right time, because he's that masterful, where he won't violate himself, and he'll still get done what he wants done. He won't violate his own nature. But we can trust him. He's working this thing out, y'all. He's working it out. First Thessalonians chapter two. This is where it gets a little fun. Verse one. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify something. Yeah, right. Okay, let us clarify some things about the coming of the Lord Jesus and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Can we pause here? How many people are you hearing the day of the Lord's already begun? Oh, it started. Here it is. It's the end of the end. Well, really? Do you know how many times that's happened? <laughs> Lots. 80 reasons Jesus is coming back in 1980. Do you guys ever hear that one? Or it was 88 reasons in 88? I can't remember what it was. Which one was it? It, it was 80. 88, it was 88 reasons in 88. Okay, do you know how many books were sold for that? Millions. And listen, I'm gonna just be a little bit hard right now. Is most all this junk is about making money. And they're, they're prostituting the gospel. They're selling it for money. Because apocalyptic stuff sells. How many movies are apocalyptic? Right, it's so many, it sells, because it's scary. So fear sells, y'all. And th that is the primary tactic of the enemy to disempower the church and to get us off track. And you know what? I'm not saying that y'all shouldn't be out there learning. Learn, 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 learn. But stay anchored and grounded. This is not everything. What it is all about is what we go back to in the beginning is go and make disciples. Get filled with the Holy Spirit every day and go and make a disciple. That's what we need to do all the way to the finish line because that's what brings about the end. Population of heaven is what brings about the end. And we want that to happen because what we read is it gets gnarly. And, and we want to lead people to Jesus so fast that we like get this thing to be done. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go to heaven. It's going to be really good. But don't be so easily shaken and alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. The Bible says don't believe them. Well, that's good advice. Even if they claim to have had spiritual vision or a revelation or they wrote a book or they have a conference or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say. For the day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed and the one who brings destruction the one who brings destruction, he will exalt himself and defy everything that the people call, that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. So whether this is a physical temple, I mean, it kind of sounds like it has to be a physical temple and that doesn't exist right now. So it's sort of like 
That has to be built, I would imagine, before this could even happen. Um, don't you re- so if they start constructing the temple in Jerusalem, y'all, okay, I'm not saying do this, it started, but like, hey, that needs to exist. That could be a pretty big sign, which people are talking about. All right, don't you remember that I told you Okay, verse four, he will exalt himself and defy everything that, the peop- that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you and you know what is holding him back? For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly and will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. He just breathes and shows up. It's so cool. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. It's important that we know this. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Okay, so let's just grab a couple things here. One, there is a man of lawlessness. This is be, we believe this to be the Antichrist, which is the, a different way that we talk about him. And, and, and sort of like a big boy daddy Antichrist, okay? Because Jesus said, there's going to be many Antichrists. They'll always be appearing. Everyone who hates Jesus and is against the will of God is an anti-Jesus, anti-Savior, Antichrist. And so the spirit of the Antichrist, which is saying here, is it works secretly, right? And you know what's so funny to me is that, I mean, I've been alive for a few minutes. I'm not quite 50 yet, but I'm getting closer. How old old am I? That's a great question. (laughs) I was born in 77, so. All right. What's so funny is the second a Democrat gets voted in to be the president in the United States, this is hilarious to me, is that all this stirring about, that guy's the Antichrist, (laughs) okay. But the one thing that's really funny is since Joe Biden has been elected president, nobody has said that. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the Antichrist is gonna know where he's going. But (laughs) so bad. Oh, Lord. Lord, bless our president. God bless him. Help that man. Bless our nation. Um, uh, This is something Zach and I were talking about is that, you know, Americans were so egocentric that the Bible, um, it, it talks about really everything in the end times is centered around Jerusalem, guys. It's centered around the place where God showed up in his holy place and his holy land. And all of these main events are actually happening over there. They will be happening over there. That is pretty clear. And America is like, not really mentioned in the Bible. We're Gentiles. And God has a plan for our country, guys. Y'all, we're from everywhere in the whole world, right? And God has a very important plan for America. And we've been... the 
the, the biggest accelerator that has ever existed on the entire planet, ever in world history, to propagate the gospel or spread the good news of Jesus has come from America. There has never been a financial engine, a media engine. There's never been innovation like happened. And God did that and he blessed that. So that's a huge purpose in, in, in the expansion of the kingdom around the world. So we're, we're major players, right, in the whole thing. But it isn't evolving and revolving around us. The odds that the Antichrist is going to be an American president, y'all, pretty low. Pretty much think that's not going to happen. So you need, and I'm not, look, the other thing is it's going to be obvious. No one's going to have to tell you. We're going to know. You're going to know like, ooh, this is legit. And you don't have to read a book about it. You don't have to buy somebody's CDs. You don't have to go to their conference. You don't need to do, don't feed this, please, church. Get grounded in the word and make disciples and love Jesus. Get so grounded you can't be blown around by all this fear of like, it's happening here, it's happening there. There's a Messiah there. That guy's the Antichrist and this thing is the beast and that's the, and all of a sudden, listen, make a disciple. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Love on somebody today. Don't be overcome by all this stuff. But if you see the pieces, especially knowing this antichrist personality or person, this person of lawlessness will be highly deceptive, will do miracles. That's important to know. Ooh, somebody's out there doing miracles doesn't mean they're Jesus. When Jesus comes back, you're going to know he's there because no one's going to have to tell you. So like, Jesus isn't going to sneak in and be secret sneaky Jesus, okay? Some people think that's one of the names of God, Jehovah Sneaky. It's, it's actually Jehovah Tarde, the God who is always doing things at the last minute. Okay. <laughs> Just made that up. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to have to tease the Lord about this when we get to heaven. Like, why did it always have to be at the last minute? He's like, then he'll tell us and he'll explain it, but... Jehovah Tarde. Okay. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. You love me. I know you love me. You made me this way. It's your fault. Okay. <laughs> so this is the thing is to, to guard against fear and deception. These are some of the things that I believe that God wants us to do. And then there will be great persecution. Did you hear that? Like not small, great. And, and, and this is one of the things that I think we need to anchor to is that we're called to make disciples even if it costs our life. This is the Christian way. The Christian way is not sit and be entertained. It's to be actually a militant. Lovers of Jesus. Focused disciple makers who are loving people and, 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 and advancing the kingdom at the cost of our life. That is what it means to be a Christian and to be so grounded and so rooted in the love of Jesus and the knowledge of who he is that you and I cannot be deceived by some magic tricks going on out there. You and I have to understand the true power in nature and goodness and presence of God versus a counterfeit. And that is what's really important because there will be a counterfeit. There already are counterfeits out there. And yeah, it's sneaky right now. It's working behind the scenes and we're seeing it start to surface. Like I've never seen before, the satanic stuff is brewing. Like it's crazy actually. And 
But it is not crazy out yet. We don't have a person that's at this level that's been identified or we'd all know. All right, Luke 21.8. He replied, don't let me, anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. This is Jesus now. So Jesus says, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and saying the time has come, but don't believe them. All right, so Paul just said it. Now Jesus just said it. Don't believe all these jokers. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Jesus is saying, when you hear all this stuff, panic, and this word really means to be overcome with fear. Y'all going to experience fear. Because anybody giving up their life for Jesus or, or, or the world is going and, and, and falling all apart, that is scary. But being overcome with fear and we come loose and we give up or we deny the name of Jesus or we stop making disciples, we stop being focused on the mission, that's what it's saying. It's like, you're going to see all this crazy stuff happening. Don't panic. Jesus says, don't be overcome with fear. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. This is important too. You're like, oh, that sucks. Okay. Again, Jehovah Tarde. Okay, so he like waits to the last minute for some reason. All this has a plan. We'll all, it'll all make sense to us when we get to heaven. Okay. And then nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes. There will be famines and plagues in many lands. There will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You will be dragged. You will be dragged into synagogues and prisons. You will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. What, what was the thing Jesus said that we were going to do? Make disciples? Persecution's an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. But this is the most important, this is one of the most important things about having your end time theology anchored to the commands of Jesus, the, your relationship with Jesus, is that you're expecting it to be hard. To be a Christian is hard. To give up, you give up your life for Jesus, that's hard, not easy, but it is good. And it's not just kind of good, it's the greatest good. That could ever be. And we have to believe this is true or we will not go after Jesus. And you will sit here and you're like, I don't want to do that Jesus thing. Hey, that's actually a good thing for you to think about. But you need to weigh that against eternal separation from God. Hell is going to be worse than giving up your life for Jesus now and living in his love, power, peace, and goodness as well as accepting what comes with that which is persecution. The devil hates Jesus. And he hates all his kids. And do you know who he hates the most out of all the kids? The women. He <laughs> so interactive. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jesus put enmity, the greatest kind of hate, between Satan and the woman in the garden at the fall. 
And women represent multiplication. They're the angriest believers. And the, the, ladies, pastoral moment here. Let's focus the anger, okay? Focus the anger on the devil. Your husband is not the devil. Your boss is not the devil, okay? Uh, okay, and I'm going to say this too, is that doesn't it make sense that the devil would try to infiltrate the church to say that the angriest, most passionate believers would not have a place in leadership in the church? This is all part of the enemy's plan. So ladies, don't believe all these lies, okay? You're angry for a reason. It's to be angry at the devil because of what he is doing. And he, you, mamas are more angry for their kids, right? They're more passionate and to disciple them, to love them, to see them. Mamas and grandmamas and all them, they're praying for their babies for generations. And it isn't that guys don't have a very important role. I'm just saying this is an important role that women have is when, when, when you open up a prayer meeting, you call a prayer meeting, do you know who shows up? Women. Why? Because they're angry. Anger is passion. And they want to see the kingdom move. And, and we need to empower that for kingdom purposes. And you need to empower that and focus that on kingdom purposes. But the enemy hates Christians. And he especially hates women. And he especially hates women that have children. And so he also hates, and if you just take women, and let's just take the concept of multiplication, on any Christian who multiplies, because that's the spirit of woman, is for multiplication. In partnership, we have multiplication. So when the church partners and it starts making disciples, the devil really hates those kinds of churches. So the devil hates this church like a lot, okay? And he hates other churches like ours that want to do this and are committed to do this. And he's going to hate you more if you start making disciples and he starts seeing that and his team starts seeing that. So you and I have to sign up for Jesus expecting persecution, expecting hard things while we get the best of things. The best of things we are ever intended for is in Jesus, is in him. And that is our great reward at the end. And Jesus says, look, that's not going to be forgotten. That's going to be really good. Okay, so that was Luke 21, 12. Before all this occurs, there will be a great time of persecution, and you will be dragged in the synagogues and prisons, and you will stand trial before kings because you're my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me, the great commission, to be a witness so don't worry in advance about how you're going to answer charges against you. For I will give you the right words at such, at, at, and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to rep reply or refute you. Even those closest to you, parents, brothers, relatives, friends, will betray you. They will even kill some of you. And everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But... Not a hair on your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your souls. This is just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery flames. Like they, 
all their bonds were burned off, not their clothes, nothing that belonged to the Lord, only the things the world tried to put on them, and Jesus showed up. That is what's going to happen. And yep, we're going to go into eternity to be with the Lord, but we have to be prepared for this. Okay, so let's go First Thessalonians 5, verse 4. So our takeaway here is you're going to be persecuted. <laughs> Are we already done? Holy smokes. All right. But then <laughs> you are, don't start playing. Yeah, I got like five minutes at least. Okay, hold on. All right. <laughs> it'll, it'll, be, it'll be too long. Okay. First Thessalonians 5, 4. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. You won't be surprised when it comes like a thief. You're still not going to know the day, for you are all children of the light of the day, and we don't belong to darkness in the night. So uh, let's look here at Mark, or Acts 1-7. He said to them, this is when Jesus, talking to his disciples, Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. They were asking him, hey, when is this all going to take place? When are you coming back? And he says, it's not for you to know. And then Mark 13, 28, Jesus says this. Now learn the lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, you will see all these things taking place. You can know that his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. So we can trust in the word of God. Verse 32, however... Even though you'll know things are near, no one knows the day or the hour these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. And since you're not him, okay, and since you don't know <laughs> when that time will come, be on your guard and stay alert. Okay, so we, we can sense things are going to be happening and we'll have an understanding like, whoo, things are getting near, like, whoo, somebody's pregnant, they're going to have a baby soon. But you're never going to know the actual time or date. Do not waste your time. He's telling his disciples, don't waste your time. If he told his core disciples not to waste their time on this, y'all, don't waste your time trying to figure out the exact day. And here's another thing that happens when we do this, is that we produce another theology and fear that not only makes people afraid that this day is going to happen, but it, it, gar it moves us away from stewardship. So we don't want to move away from making disciples. Anything that causes you to move away from move making disciples is why I'm not a predestination person. It, it is that, oh, God's just going to do it all on himself. No, that's not what he said. You and I are going to go preach the gospel and people get saved and we make disciples. That's how it works. And then so anything theology that moves us away from making disciples or empowering all believers to make disciples, that is not God's will. And then we also want to move away from anything that moves us from being good stewards. So when it was 88 in 88, Jesus come back in 88 and 88, a lot of believers were running their credit cards up. It's true. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wrong. This, this happened. They're running their mortgages up, right? They're like buying yachts and boats and spending money. Even some of them ran up credit cards to just witness to people and stuff, right? Because they thought, well, he's coming back in 88. So like they don't fix stuff around their fences or their houses or their properties. They run up all their credit cards and like, okay, so this violates the law of stewardship. 
God's not gonna do that, okay? We, we can't violate one law to do another thing. And so knowing and thinking you know the times and all of this can actually produce some levels of anxiety and also can cause us to move away from core principles that, that God has set us up for, like stewardship, amen? All right, so we can know kind of the times and signs, but can y'all just, we just keep it a little loose? <laughs> I mean, how it all actually is going to happen, like, dude, just wait, just watch the movie. You know what I'm saying? Watch the movie. Don't try to figure out what all the parts and pieces of the movie are going to be and how exactly it's going to work. So here's one of the main takeaways. It says, be on your guard. Verse six, be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear headed. So like, this is the call of the churches to be on guard. Don't fall asleep. Stay alert. Be clear headed. These are the things that God wants for us to be anchored while we're making disciples and full of the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, don't be overcome with fear, right? Jesus said, don't panic. Don't be overcome with fear. Then 2 Thessalonians 2.15, with all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to both you in person and by letter. We've got to stay anchored to the word of truth. So we're not blown all around and getting all confused. Don't be overcome or misled. Overcome with fear or misled. Being deceived in the end is one of the greatest enemies, but it's not about all the different things that are happening. Guys, these are the big pieces. It's gonna be hard. There's gonna be tons of persecution, and this is why I'm not what they call a predestination. Uh, no, it's the pre-trippers, right? Okay, those guys that get... Yeah, pre-trips, whatever. They get sucked up before all the persecution. There's a theology in the end that says believers, the best believers, the holiest and coolest believers are gonna get like sucked up and then the persecution happens. Okay, if you're God, is this the strategy you want? Okay, we're gonna take our most elite force, our best ones, we're gonna pull them out of the game. All the A-gamers, all the first-string quarterbacks, uh, all the best elite forces, we're going to pull them all out so the world really goes bad. Because I don't care about all those other kids getting saved. Those kids, those are the, those are the kids that aren't cool. That's the C-team kids. We don't care about the C-team kids. Let those guys all go to hell. Guys, this is stupid. And he says you're going to be persecuted for his name. Like, these are, these are bad, this is bad theology, okay? Like, I know people can build it and say, oh, we're totally right. But it's, it can, this theology can set believers up for a great deception, which we know is coming. So if you're anchored to, I'm going to be persecuted. I'm a Marine for Jesus. I'm going to make disciples. I'm going to love them all the way to the end. And even if it costs me my life, God says that if it costs you your life, you get an even greater reward in heaven. Like it's going to be even better. It's worth it. Don't panic or be overcome with the fear right here that's in front of you. Give your life for Jesus now so that when someone tries to take it later, you're ready. Yeah? Okay, that is one of the most important things, but we have to get anchored to the truth so we're not blown around, but that is probably one of the most dangerous end-time theology things that's out there that I think could set the church up for great deception and a great falling away, which we know happens. Let's not be in that group. 
I don't want anybody here to be in that group. I don't want anybody that's in our church or under our teaching to ever be in that group. Don't be misled. Don't panic. Stay alert. This is what it means to stay alert. Like we're watching all these times. We're paying attention. We're, 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 we're grounded in the word. All right. Okay. There's so much here. I have like so many more pages to preach. But I'm going to say this. Jesus said that nothing is going to come against his church. He told Peter this, that, that he's going to build his church on him in, in Matthew chapter 16. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, cannot prevail against it. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, we're just going to, through 10, we're going to read the rest of these here so we can uh, just call it, wrap up here. But nighttime is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So no matter what happens, we're going to be with him forever. It's going to be amazing. Okay, I have this really good passage in uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. I assure you that this is Jesus again. I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has given up houses, brothers, or sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or children, or property, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much in return. And inherit eternal life. This is good math. <clears throat> it is sound a little scary to give up houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, children, property, for my sake. Like, you could be persecuted, you could... So that, you could give that, you could trade that, you could invest that, all in making disciples, guys. All in leading more people to Jesus and helping them grow and to be in relationship with him. Any of those things you give for Jesus, to Jesus, all of those up for his sake to advance the kingdom or advance people knowing Jesus, all of that, this is your return on that investment. 100 times and eternal life. This is good deal. This is a good deal. Why would we not do this? This is why when we go into persecution, we see it different. When we head towards death, we see it different. We're like, I'm headed towards my glorified body. When we head towards the end and it's all starting to get crazier and crazier, if you really love your house, you're going to hang on to it more. But if you look at your house and you go, if someone burns my house down for, because I'm a Christian... I get a hundred times that. <laughs> You're like, burn that thing. Burn it. Because it's already burned in here. It's already given to Jesus. I already gave it to Jesus. My 401k, my, I don't have a 401k. Um, my properties, my house, okay, right? All the things I own, all that stuff, hundred times, man. Hundred times. Do you want what you can get for yourself or what God will give you? 
But as we head towards the end, and, and y'all, there's a lot happening. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to like be trivial about this or, or like, oh, it's never going to happen. Like that, when you start seeing, you just even the things we're talking about now, and you look out there, there is a lot of activity for us to be going, I'm aware. We could be, Jesus could come like a thief in the night almost at any time. Now, there's a few things that haven't happened yet that kind of make us go, nah, it's not happening tomorrow. Right? But we, we could be getting close. This could happen. All these events could ramp up and happen in a year. And we'd be like, ooh, <laughs> it could happen at any second. What are we going to do about it? We're not going to panic. We're not going to get free. We're going to stay watch. We're going to stand guard. We're going to prepare our hearts and our spirits. We're going to be rooted in the word. And we're going to make disciples. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to love him. We're going to give up our things. And we know that no matter what we give up, doesn't matter what it is we give up, we get a hundred times the reward and eternal life to boot. That's pretty good. That's a really good exchange. All right. I have a, Kelly has a prophetic word that I want to share before we close here. And this is our friend, Kelly Chewbacca. Everybody know Kelly? And some of you guys don't know, but Kelly is a pastor. She's a minister. And she uh, has a really uh, strong gift. And um, yeah, and so we've, we're starting to partner. Like, so Kelly and her ministry, we're starting to partner with Unite Church and help us learn how to make disciples and do that more. That's what her and Nikki, they've done, her and her husband have done uh, for many, many years, for over 15 years. And so um, if you see Kelly around, we'll talk about it more later, but that's not why I was introducing her. But she had a prophetic word, something that God showed you during worship that I thought was relevant. Yeah, and so it's for one or more people here. We were worshiping a lot about fear and the future and love. And God took me back to when I was in the Garden of Gethsemane 10 years ago super vivid I saw the stone wall which is really high like maybe as high as where these ridges are like above the exit sign and they barb wire it with these shards of really pointing glass why are you showing me this I don't know why they have a big gate around Gethsemane or they've barb wired it with glass but at the place where they think Jesus prayed before he was betrayed and then crucified there have been so many people who've broken into the Garden of Gethsemane to get to the place that the glass is smoothed over. You can see it. And I saw that. And what I had during, the word I had during the worship was, for some of us, the fear of the past is keeping us from the future of promises. The fear of the past, the barbed wire, shards of glass, is keeping us from a future of promises. And just as there's so many people who have climbed over to get to the presence of Jesus, he did that for us. We sing a lot um, subtly about the Passover, the blood of Jesus, the Passover lamb. Um, you don't have to climb over the shards of glass. He did that for us to create that presence, to take us from the shame and the mistakes and the sins and all that stuff that we all have it. But that keeps us outside of the, the presence, the Gethsemane, if you will. And to make that way comes through just seeing like the blood covers that. And now you can smoothly enter in where those promises are. And then that word downloaded, it was for the joy set before him. 
that Christ endured the cross, the joy of being with us, that he could even be in that garden facing betrayal by his best friends. Then betrayal by Judas and then the rest of them abandoned, ran fleeing to be turned over by his religious authorities, crucified by the government. And then what? I mean, who wins in the end? We do. He does and we do. That's the point. So for those who need to know, we have to let go of the fear of the past to enter in to the future of promises. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kelly. So we're going to wrap up here just, um, but I want to give you an opportunity if all this is freaking you out or causing you to have uh, like feelings about where you're at and where your relationship is with the Lord. Um, I want to encourage you that Jesus made a way where there seemed to be no way. There seemed to be no way out. And with our own sin and our own brokenness and with all the trouble, there seemed to be absolutely no way. But Jesus came and made a way. He made a way for each one of us in a way that honestly none of us would have ever imagined. And he came and gave his own life up fully God. He made himself into our likeness, his, like his own creation. And he came and he gave himself up on a cross. He gave himself up and allowed his body and his life to be killed and sacrificed to pay the price for all of the things that any of his kids would have done wrong or could ever do wrong. And that's the kind of God we serve, is a God that makes a way for us and doesn't make us make our own way. And you might be afraid today or worried or, or in shame, like, oh my gosh, how could God really love me? Listen, he already proved to you how much he loves you. And he said, even good people won't give up their lives for a friend. But he gave up his life so that you can have life. And not just kind of have life, but have life abundantly. And that anything and everything you would do for him would never be forgotten, but then rewarded in heaven. And he said a hundred times. And if you want to have a life that's full of abundance now and even greater abundance then, you only have to choose Jesus. You only have to call on the name of Jesus. If you want to be strong and through all the turmoil that's happening in the world, and, and no matter if you, your life gets taken tomorrow, you, know, you will know that you know that you know that you'll be in eternity with God forever. That promise of eternal reward and eternal life is the greatest of all the promises we could have is that we're totally secure because of his love and his sacrifice. If you wanna do that, we'll just take a second right now to do that. If you close your eyes all around the church and if you're here and you're saying, that's me, I need to choose Jesus today. I don't wanna walk out of this room not knowing that if I was to die today, that I would be in eternity with heaven forever and ever with my Lord Jesus. 
if that's you and you're not sure that if you died today that you'd be in heaven and you haven't chosen Jesus, but you want to, you want to do that right now, right where you're sitting. I'm not going to make you go anywhere or do anything. All you got to do is stretch your hand up in the air and we'll pray right in your seat. Just lift your hand up if you want to pray to receive Jesus. Yeah, I see your hand. Anybody else? Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. Yep, I see your hand there. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Just reach it up really high. Anybody else? Yeah, I see your hand. Jesus, I want to choose you. Don't walk out of here and not know, guys. You can put your hands down. Yeah, I see your hand. Thank you so much right there whole bunch of people raising their hands. So it's very simple. The Bible says, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth and you'll be saved. It's an act of faith. You got to speak it out, declaring that he is Jesus. So let's pray together in church. Let's everybody pray. To, let's pray this, especially if you're giving your life to him right now. Pray this, Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you as my Lord, as my God, and my Savior. Rescue me. Save me. Fill me with your love and your Holy Spirit. Forgive me for my sin. Wash me new. And help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.